0: This is the sixth Sunday of Easter, and we're getting very close to the celebration of the capstone of the great 50 days of Easter, uh, the Feast of Pentecost. So we have this Sunday, and then we have the Sunday after Ascension, as a young Sunday school student at St. Matthew's Church said to me over 40 years ago, after the Feast of the Ascension, we don't have to think about Jesus anymore. <laughs> what we've had in the last two or three weeks is the switch of the gears from the first part of the great 50 days focusing on Sundays about the uh, resurrection faith, about the, uh, the resurrection appearances of Jesus. And after that, we have now been reading about How then must we live? How did the New Testament church appropriate the resurrection faith? How did they see their way forward? What did they believe was central to their common life together as church? So once again, we read from the book of Acts. We read from the revelation of St. John the Divine. And we read also from John's gospel, uh, part of the farewell discourse Jesus is saying goodbye to his apostles and disciples and um, giving them tools they can use to cope with their separation anxiety. So in the reading from the book of Acts, another um, tribute to the revised common lectionary, we're introduced to another woman, figure central to the early church, Lydia, a seller of purple cloth. And in this reading, Lydia and her group are living in a town near Philippi. She will become uh, a central part of the Philippian church. You know, it's important to say that uh, the early church movement, Christianity, was an urban movement. Christianity was an urban movement. Philippi was not a hick town. It had about twenty or 30,000 people in it. And Paul founded churches in, in cities of substance in the ancient Near East. And the Philippian church will turn out to be one of his better foundations in terms of the healthy way in which that community understood themselves and their ministry and how they were going to move forward. In any case, we have something, it's a small line, but it is important. It says that Paul and his associates sat down with Lydia and her group. It certainly wasn't customary in the ancient Near East for men to sit down with the women. And here we see this in the biblical witness. And after she listens... She and her family and her group are baptized. And then she says to Paul, If you believe that my faith is strong enough, come to my house. She offers hospitality. One of the things in the Episcopal Church that we have been focusing on in the last 10 or 12 years has been the importance of hospitality in the churches common life. And so hospitality is not merely a virtue, it is something that is a community value. And so we understand it in two ways, both in terms of our common life together as church, but in terms of the generous spirit that every human being has to be hospitable. And this goes beyond, obviously, the church walls. Uh, All of us are called to be hospitable and generous. And uh, the world could use a little bit more of that, in my view. And we have, in the reading from Acts today, an example of hospitality in the person of Lydia and her friends and family. Remember, I've said to you over the last few weeks that I subscribe to a view that has a lot of scholarly support about the book of Revelation. And it is that the book of Revelation is about events that had already happened, not about what might be coming. And so what we read about in these visions and we read about in these symbols, are how are we coping in the midst of the realities in which we find ourselves now. Because we believe that God is present to us in the midst of our tribulations, and that God will be present to people in the future. But if you read the book of Revelation as predicting some kinds of, you know, symbolic interpretations that are supposed to come at the end of the world, these people were living in the end of the world for them. So what do we have today? Last week we had the image of a new heaven and a new earth, and more to the point that we're not just watching a tableau Play itself out about a new heaven and a new earth. The Christian community realized the community out of which the revelation emerged was we're part of the new heaven and the new earth, and we need to exercise some responsibility in making it so. We need to be transformers of society, we need to create a world where it is easier for people to be good. Not just waiting, but being part of it. And so today we have a vision of the heavenly Jerusalem. What will the city of Jerusalem look like now? Here's an example of why I am a preterist, which is the fancy term for believing that what is described in the book of Revelation had already occurred in history. When the book of Revelation was written... It was after Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Roman army in 70 AD. And so the writer knows all about that. So when he describes today, I'm thinking or seeing the heavenly Jerusalem, there's no temple there. The temple was destroyed. But more to the point, as we're thinking about how are we coping with this, how do we understand what the temple is going to be like as we move forward, we now know that the temple is in the person of Jesus Christ, and by extension, all who believe and follow him. And so we understand now that the presence of God in Christ is not just located in his person, but in the hearts of all faithful people and in a minute we're going to hear it described as the advocate the holy spirit of god and so in this spiritual interpretation of the new jerusalem we see and understand now the possibility of understanding things in a new way where is god is god with us and he and we with him Both here and in his space, are all of the people that we knew and loved who have died and gone to God in God's space together with us? That's what Christian people believe. That's why it says in the readings from the last two weeks God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's the Christian hope that life has changed, not ended. And when our mortal body lies in death, there awaits us a dwelling place eternal in the heavens. That's what we believe. So the book of Revelation gives us some hope of a new understanding of the heavenly Jerusalem, not just located geographically in that city, which will rebuild itself. Remember when the Romans came in there and destroyed the city, everybody ran away. When you read the Gospels, you're reading about a time when people had run out of Jerusalem. There was hardly anybody there. And they all now begin to come back. And they begin to re-understand what it means, a reconstituted Jerusalem. And so in every age, you and I have the capacity, spiritually, emotionally, and, and uh, mentally, to be able to do this work in every place that needs rebuilding and the presence of God's unconditional love, acceptance, and forgiveness. So today Jesus is speaking to the disciples and the apostles about his departure. He's telling them that he has to go and he's going to go be with the Father, but he shouldn't, they shouldn't worry about this because there's going to be an advocate sent The Holy Spirit. If you read it in Greek, advocate can also be translated as a helper. I'm going to send you a helper. So we understand the Holy Spirit as a helper. God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen us. So when somebody asks you, what does it mean to possess the Holy Spirit? Or when preachers say that in your baptism you have received the Holy Spirit of God, it means that capacity to touch God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen you. The still small voice that comes to you that you know is not your own. So Jesus is speaking today about the advocate that is to come. Let me say something about this, too, uh, in a little more detail, about the Holy Spirit of God and how we might understand that. The church in its common life together, uh, through history, has often believed it necessary uh, to do things differently than it had been doing, to see things differently than it had been seeing them to understand that there needs to be, in the hearts of faithful people but in the community of faith, changes. Changes from what at one time thought were the absolute immutable truths that had been handed to us by God and that we needed to always adhere to them. But we have also understood that the Holy Spirit moves And we receive support from this not merely from the gospel witness but from Paul who says the spirit moves where it will, right? So when we begin to think and reflect about our lived experience and we see the need to move in a direction that we believe now is more godly, It is not inappropriate to attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to this. Reginald Fuller, the great 20th century Anglican biblical scholar, said, it is not the work of the Spirit to convey ever new revelations, but to enfold in ever new understanding, interpretation, and application the once for all revelation of Jesus Christ. All that I have said to you. But elsewhere in John's gospel, he says to his apostles and disciples, And I have more to say, but you cannot bear it now. I have more to say, but you cannot bear it now. Well, how are we going to hear it then? The Holy Spirit of God, in the common life of the church, and in the hearts of all faithful people, uh, there's a famous obscure theologian to most people these days named Ernst Trelsch. He lived in Germany. Oh no, you start talking about theology in the Germans and it can get tedious. You know the, thing, the joke they have about scholarship the English scholar, the American scholar, and the German scholar and the French scholar were all asked to write a book about the elephant. And so the American scholars wrote a book hunting how to raise elephants for fun and profit. The French scholars wrote a book on the love life of the elephant. The English wrote a book on encountering elephants in the heart of Africa. And the German scholars wrote a ten-volume introduction to the elephant. <laughs> but Ernst Treltsch described vari- varieties of Christianity, and he would call Anglicanism the church model as opposed to the sect model. And what that means is, of course, that we believe in the Church. We believe in the continuity of the Tradition with a capital T. We don't just understand the Church is focused exclusively on the biblical witness. We believe that the Tradition with a capital T and our human reason and experience are part of what we understand as authoritative in our common life. And the location of human reason and experience is where we encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit of God understood in relationship to those other two aspects of our common life. So when we move in a direction, that's how it works. It's not some mystical occurrence, it's the occurrence of people who are faithful, who seek to know more fully and more deeply with the help of God's Spirit. So this week in all that you do and now all that you know, know that you have an advocate with the Father, a helper to bring you greater clarity about God's will and purpose for you, the power to deepen your understanding of the things you need to know and the ways and the means to place those things in your hands such that you can be an instrument of God's love, peace, and grace. Amen.